0: This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. So Le'Veon Bell says he's planning on coming back at the bye week, and apparently, as I mentioned yesterday, right after the last game before the bye week, which would be in Cincinnati a week from Sunday, And I thought that was important to give him as much practice time, although they don't practice a whole lot. Now, he's got his personal selfish reasons for doing that. But it might him, if they do activate him, for the following game after the bye week, which is Cleveland here on October 28th, at least he'd have some practice time in. Now, the Steelers do not have to pay him during that time. They do have the two-week roster exemption. They're certainly not going to pay him for the bye weeks. And then it'll be up to them to want to pay him the week leading up to the Cleveland game on the 28th. That would leave him more than enough time to get his free agency. However, what should the Steelers consider here? How about their, let's start with their record. What if they lose the next two? What if they lose to Atlanta and lose in Cincinnati and they're 1-4-1? and one? To me, that's the abyss. I don't think they're coming back to make the playoffs there. Mathematically, it's possible. But it's possible I might wake up tomorrow morning and look like Brad Pitt. Ain't happening. So if they would lose the next two games, that's a reasonable possibility. Atlanta... Uh, Atlanta, good offensive team. You think the Steelers but the, you think the Steelers' defense is bad. You gotta see theirs. By the way, Devontae Freeman is going to play Sunday, the running back. So that's not a good thing from a Steelers' perspective anyway. So let's say they're one four and one, and now Le'Veon Bell's here and ready to go. Why would they activate him? He's not going to come back and save them. I mean, they'd have to win nine of the last ten games, one would think, finish 10-5-1 and, and make the playoffs. Let's say that's the number you need. I mean, Le'Veon Bell will make a positive difference, but <clears throat> as many have pointed out, he doesn't play defensive back or linebacker. If they're 3-2-1, and one, if we're using the record at the time of the bye week as the barometer, if they're three, two, and one, all of the things considered, you bring them back. In fact, I would even suggest if they're two, three and one, you bring them back. Now, there's a bit of a nuance there, and that being, if they're two, three and one, I'd much rather that second victory come against Cincinnati than Atlanta, right? But should that be a determining factor on whether they bring him back? Or just say thanks, but no thanks, and let him go. Now there is other reason, other than this year, to keep him. They're they're already going to save about, no matter when they activate him, if they do. About eight million dollars in the salary cap, and. I've had a lot of questions about this. Yes, that does count for next year. So they will have an extra $8 million that they save this year by not paying Bell. They really won't be able to utilize that this year. I mean, who's out there that you're going to bring in? But next year would be a benefit. But here's something else that they can do. And it involves 2019. And it doesn't necessarily involve Le'Veon Bell being around here in 2019. You heard Jeremy Fowler, who again will be joining us in about seven, eight minutes, that Bell said he hadn't ruled out the possibility of signing a long-term contract. But if you do bring him back this year, the Steelers could then, based on the CBA... they could put the transition tag on him. Yeah, they're allowed to do that. And by doing that, the transition tag now, he has the right to shop around, see what kind of deal he can get. However, the Steelers have the right to match that contract, whatever it would end up being. And if they did not want to keep him around, they could then, let's say, let's say a team, I don't know, it doesn't matter what team, a team offers him a contract. Well, maybe it does matter. They wouldn't want him going to the Ravens or the Bengals or the Patriots, let's say, but <clears throat> that aside, So a team makes Le'Veon Bell an offer. This is after this season. The Steelers say, we don't want to match that. But we do know you're interested, so how about working out a trade because we still control his rights. In other words, they'd be saying, we won't match your offer. If you want him so badly, we can work out a trade. Now, what that would be, I don't know. I'm sure they wouldn't accept anything less than a third. Frankly, the ask this year for a second rounder and a good player, you're not getting that for Le'Veon Bell, for all the reasons we've discussed. The James Harrison philosophy, oh, I can't play, my toe hurts. But if a team wanted Bell badly enough to make him a long-term offer, big money, In order to get him and keep the Steelers from matching that offer, they could say, okay, we'll trade you whatever. That way the Steelers would get a better deal than the third-round compensatory pick than if he plays out this year and then he goes free agent because that compensatory pick doesn't come until the end of the third round. So you already had three complete rounds. What is that, 96 draft picks, and it doesn't come till 2020. This way, if you wanted, you could work out a deal, and who knows what you'd get. And you'd also get a draft pick, presumably for 2019, so it would be more of an immediate impact. And even if all you got was a third, a third-round pick from a team is better than a third-round compensatory pick because those come, again, at the end of the round. So there's reason to keep him around this year more than just the impact and effect that he might have for the 2018 season. We're thinking in terms of, well, how can he help them make the playoffs? but there are other reasons to keep him around even though you have no plans to keep him around next year. And all this would be done well before the draft and free agency and all that stuff so you could use that cap money to better your team. Jeremy Fowler, who covers the Steelers and pro football for ESPN and ESPN.com. Is a regular at the Tomlin Press Conference and Steeler Games. He broke this story on Bell. We'll get how this all came down and what Bell's thinking because he spoke to him. He's about the only one who has spoken to Bell. Steelers organization says no one's talked to him. Jeremy joins me next. Saverin on Sports ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Le'Veon's a
1: player, and he's part of this. He's part of this team, whether you like it or not. And both sides got to be a part of that when he does come back. Um, I'm not saying uh, one side is at fault and the other isn't. I think both sides, you know, need to just grow up and
0: play football. You know, we all gotta we 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 all can't be mad about Bill Milk the whole time. That is Steeler defensive end Cam Hayward talking about Le'Veon Bell and his possible return. Uh, and this all came, it was never very far below the surface, but the po- pod boiled over uh, based on the reporting of our next guest, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN joins us now on Saverin on Sports on ESPN Pittsburgh. Jeremy, how you doing? Thanks for being with us.
1: Anytime. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, how did this all start with Le'Veon Bell? Did you just make a random phone call to him?
1: Uh, well, you know, just uh... – had developed a relationship over the last few years of covering him, and so uh, you know he, he had gone dark for a couple months. But tried giving him a ring uh, Monday, and and he picked up. So it, it, I think he was just at a point where he was ready to talk a little bit um, after a, a extended uh, absence from most social media and and overall media activities.
0: Jeremy, did he explain to you why uh, why now? And by now, I mean the bye week.
1: So, no, because, uh, you know, he it, in, during the interview, you know, he, he didn't want to say exactly which date or, or which week he was coming in. He said uh, that he would be you know, he, on. He fully intends to play this year, which means he knows he has to be here by week 11. So he was going off of that. Um, but he, he, hinted, he basically uh, strongly hinted that uh, the results of the last four weeks and watching the Steelers have been difficult, painful to watch. Um, and that's, that's, you know, drawing him back perhaps sooner than, than he even expected. And, uh, you know, I think the Earl, from what he had said, the Earl Thomas leg injury affected him. You know, they're, they're friends, and I think they, they almost felt like they were in this together a little bit. And, you know, as you know, Earl Thomas held out of camp, and um, they're trying to fight for player rights. And then, of course, Earl gets hurt. So, uh, you know, Bell figured, hey, that could have been me. And that, that, that sort of confirmed his uh, – confirmed that in his mind he made the right decision to sit out, but, you know, he's now starting to feel like it's time sooner than later to get back.
0: We've gotten several tweets uh, in advance of knowing that you would be on the show today and understanding that you had a conversation uh, with him. Uh, If he's that concerned um, about the plight of the Steelers, then why not report yesterday and help him out as quickly as he possibly can?
1: Well, you know, I think um, – and, you know, he wouldn't speak directly to this, but, uh, you know, the, uh, if he is back for the bye week, that would, that would help him, uh, you know, get, get a full practice slate in um, and, and to be able to kind of warm up a little, a little more quickly. Uh, now, I guess, you know, if he came now, he could do that, and they could put him on a roster exemption and keep him out for a, a few weeks if you need to. But, you know, I, I really think some of this is, is business-related you know, you got to make sure you show up at the right time in case they don't want to pay you for two weeks on that exemption. Um, you know, there's probably some jockeying and positioning going on in that case uh, with his agent and the team, perhaps, whether they've been in contact or not, you know. Um, but it, it's it's really a business decision first and foremost in that regard. Um, so I, I think, you know, indications are that, that he was willing to wait up until week 11 before coming back, but, but he's now moved that up and probably needs maybe a few more weeks on his own to
0: train. Jeremy, do you think that I mean, actually him coming back in the bye week is perhaps sooner than most expected? Do you think that that sort of legitimizes his concern um, over the plight of the team? Because I don't think anybody, I think everybody expected week 10, 11, you know, whatever it was. This is actually sooner than most people anticipated. Do you think that that validates he's coming back because of his concern over what's happened to them?
1: Yeah, I mean, he did say that's part of it without without him specifically laying out, you know, the week he was coming on the record. But he, he did say uh, that, um, you know, it, it's, it's been tough to watch in the sense that, you know, he feels like he can be the missing piece. And so, you know, he hinted that he's ready to come back sooner and later as a result of that.
0: Uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN who broke this story about Le'Veon Bell returning, <clears throat> pardon me, at the bye week. I'm going to assume that... When we say the bye week, he will be coming in the uh, that week, the week of the bye, meaning right after the Cincinnati game.
1: Yeah, that's that's the plan. Now, there's a you know, I mean, it's his it's his plan, so he could certainly uh, change his mind. You know, but from from what I'm told, he's going to get ready for that uh, that Browns game week eight. So, you know, what day he comes, whether it's week seven or early in week eight, is is still. up to him, but the, the plan is certainly to use that two-week period uh, to, to kind of get back at the swing of things and, and utilize some extra practice.
0: You know, I'm interested um, in his comments about he still hasn't given up on the idea of signing long-term. Um, there are so many options available to the Steelers, and that's why it seems to me, uh, looking at the team side of this, uh, that we talked about whether or not... Uh, they, based on what their record is at the time of the buy, If they're 1-4-1, uh, I, mean, I don't care who he is. He's probably not going to help them make the playoffs. But they do have options with him after the season is over, if not necessarily to keep him, then to put the transition tag on him. He can go then work out a deal. They can match it and all that kind of stuff. I mean, does he really believe that they still have an opportunity to work on a long-term deal?
1: He does, he, and I tried to press him on that because it looks like a bitter divorce right now, so why should anyone believe otherwise? And, and he basically said that maybe I'm naive or hopeful, but I, you know, I, I think they don't want me gone yet, and uh, I think that uh, you know, in the off season, they're still going to have his rights, and if they do transition, tag him, uh, another team can make an offer. They can match that offer. Of course, they could trade him as well, right? And work that out as a sign and trade, and and, you know, it it seems to be maybe trending in that direction, especially as they've been exploring a trade the last few weeks. But um, I mean, look—if somebody makes an offer that's not huge or that's palatable for the Steelers, and they want to match it, that would make sense. Or if he comes back and and everything is well and they win games with him, you just there's a lot that can play out still.
0: Did you ask him at all about um, what his agent said? Uh, about not you know, wanting to put himself on the line to risk a big payday for 2019 and beyond, um, or what James Harrison had to say about, and this is counter to, you know, he's always, uh, when available, when his knees weren't ripped up. I mean, he plays, and he plays hard. Did you ask him about that? Well, I, you know, I don't want to carry too much, or uh, my hamstring hurts. I can't make it this week.
1: Well, we we didn't get into like a pitch count or faking injuries, but we did get into uh, him resuming his normal workload, his intentions when he is here, uh, and he said that he's fully once he arrives that he'll be fully committed, and he wants to be his normal self. You know, um, he wasn't much concerned about an exact total of touches, but you know, he said, yeah, uh, he, you know, he wants to help them win games, and that will be uh, the primary goal. When he gets here, and you know, and his agent saying that uh, that uh, this, he wanted to know what the Steelers' plan was, or at least asked openly what their plan was on a radio show week one. I asked him a little bit about that. And he, he couldn't speak for his agent, but he did say that uh, you know the plan was more about concerning what the team is going to do with his rights, uh, and also you know what the chances are still of a long-term deal at this point when they have a chance to negotiate again.
0: Jeremy, not only because you talk to Le'Veon Bell, but you also cover the Steelers uh, virtually on a daily basis. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if you get a sense um, of how the organization feels about him, not what they'll do with him, um, but uh, how do they feel about him? And maybe secondarily, and I realize the players uh, come back to work today. Uh, have you, Since you broke this story, um, have you talked to players about how they – might accept him if indeed he comes back
1: well we've uh we're gonna actually they're about to practice so I'll get a chance to speak with more players this afternoon there weren't a, a ton of guys in the locker room but the, you know the sense I've gotten recently is uh, really over the weeks because this has been a topic that's been ongoing is um, you know players will welcome him back with, with minimal issues for the most part as long as he comes back ready to work uh, which which he always has done and uh, you know, Garderman Foster, who is one of the most vocal about Belly, you and know, I spoke with him recently, he said, you know, us venting in week one and, and ripping him had nothing to do with us not wanting him back. Uh, we always wanted him back and welcome him back. is just the emotions uh, were pretty raw. And, you know, as for the organization, um, I mean, they've, they've stood by him throughout this. They haven't ripped him. I, you know, I think there's a reason for that. Um, they know he's a great player, um, and they know he works hard now. You know, he's had the suspensions, and he's had the injuries. I do think those two things played into the negotiations, uh, and perhaps that has something to do with with the guaranteed money that they weren't willing to offer.
0: Hmm. Going back to your conversation with Bell, was that the issue, not the total amount? And it also should be debunked um, that the contract deadline with him and the Steelers was July 16th. Um, Todd Gurley didn't sign his deal, uh, until early August, so he couldn't have known what that might be. but was that the big issue, not the total amount, but the amount that was guaranteed?
1: Correct. yeah. He said the only true guarantee was the 17 million. Now I think they had easily reached uh, you know pseudo guarantees in the first year or two because they wouldn't cut them because of cap purposes. but yeah, he said the only true guarantee was 17, which you know you see David Johnson, um, Todd Gurley on even three to you know even David Johnson on a three-year deal. Got thirty plus million guaranteed, so that that sort of bells beef.
0: As you look at both both sides here, what do you think is the most likely uh, conclusion to this, at least for this year? Uh, it, it, I just examining all the options. It seemed even if even if this year is not salvageable, and let's say they're one four and one, um, would the Steelers be better just hanging on to them so they could at least put the transition tag, which might Given more of a likelihood, if not to sign him long term, than to get a better return in a trade, even a third rounder, which would be in 2019, as opposed to a compensatory pick, which would be 2020, and that comes at the end of the third round.
1: <laughs> well, Stan, you you basically laid out every scenario there, my man, and I think they I think the team has gone into <laughs> all of that. I think they I think they've weighed all that options. I think the third round pick compensatory pick is the floor in any trade. And so that's the issue with trading him now is that, um, you know, a team giving up a second-round pick or more for a rental player that you can't negotiate with right now unless you've rescinded the tag and then negotiated. But I don't think that's savory with the NFLPA in the true uh, letter of the franchise tag law. And so um, it's complicated that way. But, you know, they I mean, look, he's a, he's a great player, and I think that that's why uh, I could still see them holding on to him despite all this because they know – Bill was exercising his position right now as an unsigned player. They had to have known that this was possible when they, when they decided uh, that they couldn't get a long-term deal done.
0: But do you think that they were operating under the assumption that he would do as he said, would do just exactly what he did last year, and that when he didn't show up on that Labor Day before the first game, that they were truly taken aback by that?
1: Uh, yes, I I think everybody expected him to, but Bell's argument is, you know, I never formally told anybody with the team players or coaches or GMs that I would be here. They still don't know when I'm going to be here. So, um, you know, that's, uh, he said, that's not his fault that that they don't know that, you know? So he's, uh, I think that that's a little bit of the rift is that he felt that they assumed too much, um, based on him being an unsigned player.
0: Last thing for you, Jeremy, and I really appreciate your time today. Uh, as far as the rust factor, there's bound to be some <clears throat> and him getting into shape. Uh, are the Steelers in a better position? Uh, because, you know, a year ago, they didn't know what they had in James Conner. Um, and he had some issues. He's improved on some. My point is that when, uh, if and when Bell comes back, he wouldn't have to have 30 touches a game because they can utilize Conner um, and sort of ease Bell back into it, where when he came back against Cleveland last year, he was all in. He was full in. Yeah,
1: I think there's there's some of that. I mean, you know, if if Bell gets going and, and if he thrives off touches, I don't think they're going to limit him to say ten or fifteen touches a game because of Connor. Uh, now, Connor will have a more prominent number two back role, and you know he's proven himself, even though the rushing yards haven't been there of late. They like overall what he's doing, and so yeah, but I don't think it's going to be too complicated, assuming Bell's in the, the shape that he had been in in the past. I think that's the big thing, and Tomlin has stressed that. Number one, Bell has to get here. Number two, what kind of shape is he in? So if he looks good and gets himself football ready in, in a hurry, then uh, I think they'll be uh, off and running that way.
0: All right, great stuff. Congratulations on the scoop. Uh, that certainly has been the number one topic of conversation. Thanks to you and good reporting. Appreciate the time, Jeremy. Thanks very much. See you Sunday at the game. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Dan. All right, Jeremy. That's Jeremy Fowler VSPN. ESPN, um, the Le'Veon Bell story. Again, Lucy and the football, pulling it away from Charlie Brown. Um, I don't know. The Mojinator says, I think if Bell does show up and the Steelers win either against Atlanta or Cincinnati, then you have to play them because we would still have hope. Also, in a perfect world, we keep next year's only, but only time will tell. I uh, I think that's – I don't know. Um, I don't know. I hope that answered a lot of questions. Maybe it even created more. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Bell's plan as it is right now is to miss two more games, come back during that bye. The Steelers could ask for a roster exemption for up to two weeks, but that would preserve his ability to play this season, get an accrued season, and become a rest- or an unrestricted free agent during the offseason. Adam Schefter of uh, ESPN, and following up on uh, our previous guest Jeremy F- Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, who broke that story. We're joined now by Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network. Jerry's brought to us by the Pub at Tonydale in Oakdale, three dollar Bud Light, sixteen ounce aluminum bottles during all Steelers games, which would mean this Sunday at one against the Atlanta Falcons. By the way, Devontae Freeman uh, will be playing in that game. The running back has been hurt. Uh, Jerry joins now. How are you, Jerry? I'm good, Stan. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, let's start out with the uh, news, not only of the day, but the last couple of days. We had Jeremy on about 45 minutes ago and talking about his conversation uh, with Le'Veon Bell. Um, I have likened this to Lucy picking up the football and Charlie Brown um, every time he goes to kick it. Um, do you think that Bell means what he says? And what will the, how will the Steelers respond to this?
2: Well, one, we'll find out if he means what he says, because this isn't the first time he's given them or not not that he's told them because he hasn't, but that he has stated uh, a a kind of date for his return and and he hasn't upheld the other two or three other prophecies. So we'll we'll see, uh, you know, what's to prevent uh, what his agent called an extraordinary circumstance last time from happening again this time. Lord only knows what that could be. So, we'll, we'll, but for now, we'll take him at his quote word that he will return that week. It would obviously be on a Wednesday, uh, and it's a short week that week. You know, Mike Tomlin uses that week for the young players to practice. The veterans don't. But if Le'Veon Bell is there, obviously he will he will practice uh, with the backups to uh, start to get him uh, acclimated. As for how the Steelers will handle it, well, we shall see. Um, uh, you know, uh, it, it's uh, I would imagine that at this point he's returning a little later than they anticipated, although they anticipated Labor Day for his initial arrival and you know as we know, he didn't uh, you know uh, uphold that uh, end of his deal. So um, I, I you know Stan we'll, we'll see. I think a lot of it depends uh, on on the running game. They're certainly not going to bring him in and viewing his return. As the savior to their to the running game, I don't want to say to their offense. We'll see how how it evolves, but um, I think I think they will not rush him back into the lineup. I don't know how they could, because after missing back to back training camps in seven weeks of the season, uh, and you saw how long it took them last year to gain any amount of traction or rhythm. Uh, you know, times it by three or four, and that's probably how long it's going to take them to to, uh, to do that this time.
0: Jerry, do you think at all what the Steelers decide to do with him, and they still have the right if he reports to rescind the tag and let him go, that right. it may depend on what the record is? In other words, if they're 1-4-1, um, you could bring back Jimmy Brown or Walter Payton. I'm not sure that it's going to uh, you know, get you to the playoffs. Do you think that it's all dependent upon where they sit after the game against Cincinnati?
2: Well, I think it could in this regard, Stan. If they were 7-0. At that point, a six and zero at that point, or five and one at that point, then you would sit and playing very well. You would sit there and they would think, well, we don't need any replacement players just now. We are perfectly fine, Um, you know. But but you know, let's say let's say they're they're two, three and one, um, you know, or 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 worse. Um, Then then you might you know they're in this business to win football games, and if he can help them then at some point um, I think they they will use him. You know, Stan, they're not going to pay a backup, a guy who's not going to contribute $853,000 a week. So, But if they think uh, that he can help them, if they put principle aside, if they think they can help them, at that amount of money, they're going to play him. Um, then, then, of course, the whole other issue is, do they even want it to get to that point? And, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell did not uphold his end of the bargain. The Steelers have said since the combine they will not rescind the franchise tag. Well, they were doing that on the assumption and going on a good faith uh, understanding that Le'Veon Bell would, okay, probably do the same thing he did last year and show up for the beginning of the season. They could live with that. They don't like it, but they can live with that. Well, he did not uphold his end of the bargain, so there was no good faith on his part And I would not blame the Steelers at all if they decided, hey, you know what? He didn't uphold his end of the bargain. We're not going to uphold ours and rescind the tag. I don't expect that to happen. It wouldn't shock me if it did.
0: Jerry, we're looking at this through the prism of of what Bell can do this year. Um, Beyond that, is there a benefit to bringing him in and keeping him around and then throw the transition tag on him? Doesn't mean that they want to keep him, but it would give him the option. He can then go shop out as a free agent. They can match the offer, and if somebody's interested, uh, they could perhaps get a trade and get a better return than what they would get for just the compensatory pick in 2020.
2: Well, I could, um, yeah, I could, uh, uh, from from that point of view, I could see that happening um, because that would seem to make some amount of sense. Uh, the flip side of that, Stan, is I just don't know that they want to deal with this nonsense any any longer. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, it, it, under under that scenario, that that would you know that would be palatable for them, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, that's a possibility. I don't know that the Steelers want to get into a game uh, with him, you know, uh, and and have to deal with more uh, of the nonsense. Uh, I just don't, I don't know how much. I just don't think Le'Veon Bell did himself any favors. I don't think his agent did himself any favors. Um, I think they're operating under the assumption that he's going to come back and accrue a season, and, and he's going to be Le'Veon Bell, and he's going to get great offers, and I think they are misreading the market. And uh, I think that's, you know, we shall see how this whole thing plays out. But, Stan, my, my belief and my understanding Uh, based on just, you know, kind of what what you know and what the the, the pulse is, um, is that I don't think they want to have a whole lot to do with Le'Veon Bell beyond this year.
0: All right. That that would certainly answer their question. So they keep him this year, um, then, you know, he becomes an unrestricted free agent, and they get a third compensatory in 2020, Correct.
2: Uh, that that is correct, but again, Stan, I mean, all these all these options are available to them. It just depends, you know, how they want to explore it and what they think they might be able uh, to get for it. But again, you know, is it to, would a team be willing to pony up the type of money and and, and you know to offer Le'Veon Bell that it, you know if the Steelers did put the transition tag on him? And that that goes back, Stan, to what I said about uh, uh, what I mentioned about you know. Properly uh, reading, engaging the market, you know James Harrison did this a couple years ago. Little, little, we're talking a little few different dollar figures, but still, that's still kind of uh, a a similar situation in that he would not take the Steelers' pay cut that that paid him five million dollars over two years. He didn't want that. He balked at that, and that's when he left and signed with the Bengals because he thought, "Well, I'm not taking that money." Well, he went and signed for the bank with the Bengals for two years, three million dollars—a whole lot less than he would have made with the Steelers because his agent misread the market. They thought he could get more money out on the market, and they were wrong. And the same thing could happen with Le'Veon Bell, given everything that that has transpired, transpired, his attitude, his approach to the whole thing, and the fact that he hasn't played, he's missed a couple training camps and will not have played a lot of football in the last couple years, plus a guy who has two knee surgeries, plus a guy who has two suspensions, plus a guy who's randomly tested all the time.
0: Yeah, I thought that their ask if, if, if this was legit of a second-rounder and a good player now um, is – I mean, there's nobody going to do that.
2: No, and uh, quite naturally, Stan, of course they want a good player. Who wants a bad player?
0: Right. <laughs> That is true, right? Uh, yeah, define good player, right? Anybody who can <laughs> yeah, walk. Right. Um, yeah, I'd
2: like a good player too. I don't. I'm, I don't know anybody <laughs> to trade. We want this other guy. He's not a good player, but we'll take
0: him. We'll take him anyway. We just we want to right. balance. We, we got a talented roster. We, a talented roster. We want to balance it out, um, right. you know, just just a little bit. The one thing that is curious, and I asked Fowler about this too. Uh, he said that in his conversation with Bell, which I guess was Sunday night, uh, that Bell. Look, he's he's coming back much later than they anticipated, meaning Labor Day. But frankly, this bye week is earlier than I expected because of the 10-11 week deadline that he had to come back. This would actually be sooner than anticipated. He said that it's it's painful watching the Steelers lose. So then the obvious question becomes: Well, if he's so concerned about the Steelers losing, then why didn't he report yesterday? I,
2: I mean, yeah. If, if if he if he is interested in in doing that, uh, you know, I agree. Why why not why not come earlier? I, I think the whole thing has been very, you know, obviously it's perplexing to us because a lot of things just don't seem to make sense. Um, they don't make sense to the Steelers either. I mean, they are baffled by this, and you know, I I, I have thought all along and said all along to you that. You know, this situation is only going to get worse. And, and I think something as simple as Le'Veon Bell proclaiming publicly, uh, you know, uh, I'm coming, I'm, I, my team needs me, whatever, you know, narcissistic approach you want to take. My team needs me. I'm going to use these next couple of weeks to get in the best shape, and hopefully I can help my teammates. But they don't even say the right things to more to smart things, you know, PR-wise. Uh, publicly to try to amend, uh, you know, or heal some of the some of the wounds that he has caused here, and forget the organ. Well, I don't want to say forget the organization, but even outside, uh, with the public and the whole thing, to me has just been. It's hard for me to make any sense, and for the Steelers to make any sense of 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 what he is doing. And I know his, his teammates. You know, he says, "Well, my teammates will understand." Well, maybe they will. You know, we talked to Stefan last night on the show and. You know, he talked about you know understanding that every player has a right to do what they want, and um, I, I. But I don't know that that same feeling permeates the locker room. I do think by the fact he's coming back before week ten makes the transition a little bit easier because yeah. if he waits that long, then then it's apparent. Uh, and even though it's pr- pr- probably still the same pace, but if he waits till then, it's apparent he's only doing so so he can accrue that season protect his body and make even more money. I think this coming in a couple weeks earlier, and that helps the situation a little bit.
0: I agree. I think that's a very good point. A couple of last things about Bell. Um, number one, uh, if you're worried about Rust, when he came back last year, they didn't know what they had in James Conner. In fact, they were worried about what they had. Now there's a, you know, a bit more of a track record. Um, so if Bell comes back when he comes back, the first game that he plays, you wouldn't have to... Run him thirty times because you you would have Connor there. I mean, you know, is that a positive for the Steelers?
2: Well, as you recall, last year when he came back, I think he only carried it ten times standing yeah. in the first game, if I'm not mistaken. Then it was twenty second, twenty seven times, and thirty one touches in game two. So it was like they wasted uh, uh, you know little time in, in getting him acclimated to his former role. Uh, but one, I think, uh, I I don't think you will see that type of workload. You will not see him be thrown in as a starter. There's absolutely no way un- unless there are injuries. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, it- it's going to be a different situation. I think you will see the Steelers this week focus more on trying to run the ball better. Let's, for- let's not forget Le'Veon Bell's uh, running numbers last year. While wow. the totality of what he did, the numbers look good. When you look at the number of touches and, and the production with those touches, um, he was by no means any type of difference maker or game breaker, you know, never had a run longer than 27 yards, only three over 20. Well, well, James Connors already had two over 20 and as long as his is 27 yards. And I know he's a threat as a pass receiver, but it wasn't exactly like, he, again, he was changing games uh, with, with his touches. And so, and that was, that was a byproduct of, of, you know, a missing, missing training camp and the preseason. So, there's no way that the, that transition to being back on a playing field is going to be any better or any quicker this year it's going to be slower and in my opinion he'll be even less productive and so but that's what they're going to find out and um I I just think you know the Steelers are going to be very cautious about this and um I I to, to sit and think that Le'Veon Bell's going to come and in a couple weeks he's going to be Le'Veon Bell from 2015 I just think that's that's Wishful, foolhardy thinking.
0: Last thing for you, Jerry. Um, What is wrong or what's disconnected um, between the Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown connection? The numbers tell us that. Our eyes tell us that. The results tell us that. And part B to the question is, Le'Veon Bell's presence, I mean, you have to pay attention to him. How much of that could be a factor in the, the Bell-Roethlisberger connection, not, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the AB-Ben connection not working.
1: Yeah, I, 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 don't,
2: I don't know how much to quantify that, uh, Stan. Obviously, you would think that would be uh, a factor. Um, I, I think the, the presence of Vance McDonald, um, you know, the, and what he's been able to do the last couple games is a bigger factor than at any point last year. Um, you know, um, but I, I, I think I think the threat of Bell m- might have been greater than the actual production of Bell last year because you know what he could, what he can do. Even though a lot of the times he didn't do it last year, um, I don't think anybody thinks that James Conner is is on Bell or can be on Bell because he's not. Um, does that mean they can't have some success with him and get some production from him? Well, we saw that in the Cleveland game. We have not seen it the past couple games, but I don't know how much of that. I'm not going to sit here and blame James Conner. That could be the offensive line as well to me. And I don't sit there and break down the film and engage what the line, uh, you know, what the linemen are doing. But to me, it doesn't look like there's been a whole lot of room to run. So I, you know, I'm, I think whatever the problem is, is no denying the fact they haven't been able to run the ball. And we've seen James Conner, Hey, hey, he is a good pass catcher. Um, there, there's no doubt that he's very fluid catching the ball. Again, is he Le'Veon Bell? Well, maybe not. But I mean, it's you know, it's not like you're throwing the Rosie Mix out there. This is a guy who catches the ball on the run and turns it up, turns it upfield, very smoothly. So um, I don't, I don't think there's this huge disparity between what Bell did catching the ball and James Conner. But I think the threat of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, probably causes some defensive coordinators, you know, to to pay attention to, to what he's doing out there, and could influence uh, Antonio Brown, uh, you know, where where he is. But I just think, I think Antonio Brown is is I think the injury in training camp and missing all the preseason, I think, has maybe hampered his ability to get out of the breaks as fast as he typically does, and um, you know, he that that little extra he needs to separate right now, uh, hasn't been there. But it's not because Ben doesn't want to throw it to him, because we know that he's still the second most targeted receiver in the NFL.
0: Indeed, and I do think that Bell's presence makes a difference, not his individual performance, but just his presence makes a difference. Right, the threat of him, right. Jared, thanks very much. Great conversation, as always. Um, I look forward to seeing you um, at the ball game on Sunday.
2: All right, Stan, good talking with you.
0: Okay. Jerry Dulac, don't forget our pregame show with Jerry and Bob Labriol and Mike Brazuda begins at 11 a.m., 1 o'clock kick um, this Sunday. Jerry Dulac is brought to us by the pub at the Tonydale Oakdale. $3 Bud Light 16-ounce aluminum bottles during all Steelers games. So you're going to watch the Steelers game, head out there, and you get $3 Bud Light 16-ounce aluminum bottles.